This is a Hog Sports Network podcast. Everyone, welcome into the basketball podcast of Mid America. Today is Thursday, January 25th. And like I said, would be the case last week uh, whenever we, we met to, to talk. Uh, we'd know a lot more about Arkansas's basketball team this week than we did last Thursday. And that is the case. I'm Ethan Westerman. I want to thank you for tuning in. Happy to be joined by Bob Holt of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, who does a wonderful job covering not only the Razorbacks basketball team, but all the sports at Arkansas. And then also we have Blake Sutton in the back running the board. He'll chime in some throughout the show. We actually have a fun segment that he'll uh, introduce here in just a little bit. But like I said, uh, this time last week, Arkansas was fresh off a truly wild win over Texas A&M. Uh, Tremont Mark had a game winner to give the Razorbacks their first SEC win. And it was the natural thought to kind of wonder if that victory could help steer the ship back in a right direction. But two games later, uh, we can see that wasn't exactly the case. It now kind of looks to be an outlier game. The Razorbacks lost at home to South Carolina 77-64, then followed it up last night with a 77-51 loss at Ole Miss. Arkansas is 1-5 in, in SEC play. They are in sole possession of 12th place in the SEC, only ahead of winless Missouri and Vanderbilt, who are sitting there in the basement. Bob, there's a lot of things that we can point fingers at for what's not going right with this team, but certainly offense is a glaring issue. Uh, the Razorbacks are number 123 in adjusted offensive efficiency by Kim Palm. Not very good. Uh, you wrote a great article this past week before the Ole Miss game that <laughs> probably strengthened your article about the struggles on the offensive end. 123, I'm, I'm surprised it's that high. Um, yeah, this team just doesn't really have anything they do very well on the offensive end. You know, they, they don't shoot the three very well. They, they shot the three pretty well earlier in the season, but I think what we're seeing is they're, they're like a, a racehorse stepping up in class, not claiming races in the SEC. And so against better competition, you know, better athletes, taller, longer, you know, better wingspan, uh, they're having trouble getting good looks. And they don't, like I said, they're not shooting the three very well. Inside, they, you know, physicality seems to bother them a lot. They miss, you know, everybody misses some layups because you say, well, you, on the play, well, it's a missed layup. Well, there might have been three guys defending you. So it wasn't like a, a bunny. But, um, you, you know, they, they don't offensive rebound very well. Like AM shoots poorly, 35, 36%, whatever the Aggies do. But they go and get the ball. They get like 20 offensive rebounds a game. Arkansas. I think was averaging seven. And with all the shots they missed, they should be getting more than that, honestly. And they only get 19 – this is before last night. They, they were only getting 19% of their misses, which is the worst in the SEC. And, the, and uh, you know, their assist to turnover ratio was better last night. They actually had more assists and turnovers, but they've been averaging – I think in the SEC play before last night, they had 46 assists and 50 turnovers. So uh, Eric mentioned on the radio show Monday night they only had 144 passes against South Carolina, and their goal – is 200 at least. And so they're not sharing the ball very well. And, uh, you know, free throws, they were they were shooting about 70%, which sounds pretty decent, but, you know, it's not 1965 anymore. That, that's 10th in the SEC. People shoot free throws at a higher level now. And so, yeah, there's just really nothing they can hang their hat on. You know, so the Aggies get offensive rebounds. Uh, Alabama shoots a lot of threes. Even Missouri shoots threes. Uh, other teams force turnovers lead to – Fast break points. If you look at Arkansas's fast break points, they're very down because, as Eric will point out, it's not because he's telling them to slow it down. It's because they, 
they don't either have a sense of urgency or they don't get the turnovers you need. And so they're just they, they do block shots. They're a top five shot blocking team. But as Eric would tell you earlier in the season, it's because they give up so much dribble drive penetration, they're, they're going to get more blocks. And so, yeah, they're just really not anything this team does very well. I'm surprised to hear, like, I didn't do a deep dive of the stats yesterday. I mean, just after a loss like that, you, you kind of just get the sense of how the game went and don't super deep dive. I'm surprised to hear they had more assists than turnovers because the first nine, ten minutes of the game, they were averaging a turnover per minute. And like you alluded to, Ole Miss was converting it to points. I think a glaring stat at halftime whenever Arkansas was down, I believe it was 38-26, they were getting beat on points off turnover 17-2. to um, I mean <laughs> – it's just like you said. It, it's it's hard because they're not really manufacturing. A lot of teams will manufacture that defense and offense. Arkansas is not really doing that. And then it feels like whenever they do make mistakes, other teams oftentimes make them pay for it. Um, it's 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 been hard to watch turnovers. That's certainly a thing that we can point some fingers to in a lot of games. Uh, Blake, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. You know, what are maybe at the top of your list of frustrations watching this team right now? I know you could come up with a, a lot of them I'm sure but maybe what are some of the ones just at the very top for me it's the it's the lack of defensive intensity you know in previous Muslim years and we've talked about this before and I mean ever since Muslim's been here Arkansas hasn't had like a, an elite offense but the but the defense has been elite and so even in games where Arkansas might not be shooting very well the defense would make up for that and they would get transi- transition baskets and, and easy layups and dunks. And you're you're just not seeing that level of defense anymore. And so now now the team's just all around bad because you have a bad offense. It's 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 worse than we've seen Musselman have, but you already had bad offenses under Musselman. Now you also have a bad defense, and and it's just turning into just kind of an all-around bad product to watch on TV. You're not wrong. Um, and last night, in last night's case, uh, before the game even tipped off, it felt like Arkansas had fallen behind by 10 points uh, when we learned that Tremont Mark would not be va- be available to play due to migraines. Uh, we certainly hope he gets feeling better because migraines, those are not any joke. Um, and the Razorbacks played without him against Duke and won, but then things felt a little bit differently back then. I think we can all agree um, just with the vibe of the team. Like you could survive without him against Duke just because of how other guys have been playing. But with the way the season's been trending as of late in SEC play, you knew that was a major blow considering, you know, how he's been the Razorbacks' best offensive threat in SEC play by a wide margin. Um, you know, and then as the game progresses last night, so you already felt like you were down without him um, or you were down without him. As the game progresses, Trevin Brazil, he's not available for the second half. We later learned that he's been battling some knee soreness all week. Um, Caleb Battle bumped knees with somebody. He went down and was out for a little bit. Uh, Makai Mitchell took an inadvertent smack to the face on a rebound attempt. He was out for a little bit. And then even Layden Blocker was down at one point. It seems like his was a little, he was back on the court whenever they broke away from the, the commercial break. Um, so his must have not been that bad. But still, it was just over and over, guys falling down Bob with the way things have been going recently it felt like you added injury to insult last night yeah Ole Miss beat him and beat him up um and um yeah obviously Arkansas is better with Tremont Mark they're better with Trevor Brazil but I don't think Arkansas would have won that game um I'm obviously they would like to find out to me the big question moving forward and you know it's it's I don't. Thankfully, I haven't suffered from migraines, but I know people that have, and they can be very debilitating. And I sort of want. I asked Eric if, uh, if, if, if Tremont had 
issues with, with migraines before and maybe it just didn't reach the point where he felt like he couldn't play because I got to feel like if that, if that guy could play, he'd play. If there's any way to get on the court, you know, he came back very quickly from that terrible fall against Carolina where he hurt his back and hip and groin and, I don't know, maybe some other body parts. And, uh, you know, he's a tough kid. So he had to really – I think that had to be very debilitating for him. And so what does that do for the Kentucky game? And, you know – Trevin obviously hadn't been examined by doctors, but Eric said you know, they, they felt it was probably soreness. It wasn't you know, something more serious, so who, who knows? So what's their availability for Kentucky? I'm sure Eric didn't want to tip off the cats, but, um, you know, they got to be full. Well, they don't have to be, but, but they need – it helps a lot if they can be full strength. But as Eric said, hey, injuries give other teams opportunities. You know, uh, A&M came in there without uh, Hank Coleman, one of their, their best players. He's back now. Miles um, Stute for uh, for South Carolina was out. He's a starter. South Carolina, you know, won at Arkansas and beat Kentucky. So uh, last year, Arkansas was able to regroup without Nick Smith for much of the season, and Brazil was out after nine games. So, you know, you got the 13 scholarship guys, and Arkansas actually had, you know, like 14 because Menafield's not on scholarship, but, but I'm sure, you know, he's like a scholarship player. And so, there are other guys you just have to step up, and uh, some guys seemed like they did okay last night. Eric said he was pretty pleased with Al Ellis. He liked uh, Denajay Harris's uh, uh, energy, but obviously not not nearly enough. Sure. Well, we're going to cut to a break real quick. We'll be back on the basketball podcast of Mid America. Get the latest breaking news on all Arkansas Razorback sports at WholeHogSports.com. Our award-winning reporters and photographers go beyond game recaps to bring our subscribers the most trusted Razorbacks news anywhere. With expert analysis, the latest in recruiting, plus unique and compelling stories of your favorite teams. Subscribe today at wholehogsports.com. Before we get started on this next uh, part of the show, we want to clarify. We actually looked at it. Arkansas did have more turnovers than assists against Ole Miss. 13 assists, 14 turnovers. Still kind of feels like a win with the way that things have been going for them that is only down by one. But now that we're back from the break, I'm going to let Blake introduce a little segment that we're going to do. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, so um, years ago there used to be a show on ESPN called Stump the Schwab. And my idea was stump the Bob because, you know, Bob's such a savant when it comes to uh, Arkansas basketball. So since this season has gotten so sad, I wanted to take a little trip down memory lane and maybe talk about some previous teams that were more fun to cover. So what I'm going to do, Bob, I'm going to give you the final SEC standings for the regular season, and you try to tell me the year, okay? Okay. All right, here we go. So Florida, Kentucky – LSU, Tennessee, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. So Arkansas finished seventh in the SEC. What year was that? And Florida won. Florida uh, was Florida was the regular season champion. I'm gonna say 2006. Nope. No, I'll give you a hint though. Um, Joe Johnson was the SEC freshman of the year. Okay, well, that's 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 an easy one. That that's a two thousand. Correct. Uh, that was the only year that Arkansas won the SEC tournament. Brandon Dean was the SEC tournament MVP. Uh, Arkansas was an automatic qualifier for winning the SEC tournament, and they were an eleven seed and lost to Miami in the first round. In Nashville. Yeah. 
tournament was in Atlanta. And the funny thing is, Arkansas had to win the tournament that year to go because they came in, they lost a lot of close games. I want to say they were 6-10 and 10 in the SEC. And all the other times they've lost to Kentucky or LSU, whoever, um, they got in that large bid. Now, there were some teams that were just really bad, like Stan Heath's few, first few teams, some of Pelfrey's teams. But that was the one year Arkansas had to win the tournament, to go to the NCAA tournament, and, and, and they did. Well, we're on, the, we're on the trajectory this year that that is also the only hope um, for the Razorbacks to make the tournament. Real quick, before I move ahead, did we have any more things to stump Bob with, Blake? Uh, that, was the, uh, that was the one I had, but, uh, yeah, moving forward, we can – I think this this would probably be a good season to look back and talk about some more more fun seasons yeah, well, that Arkansas had. Bob, uh, I got some lotto tickets or something if I get it right on the first try. Or? Well, you got a swing and a miss on week one. <laughs> uh, you get three strikes. The moment once you strike out, Bob will have to try and stump somebody else. But I, I have full faith in Bob to recover from his first miss of the year. Uh, I think next week uh, he'll be back with some vengeance. But actually, that was a great segue with talking about the SEC tournament that year Arkansas had to win. That is, there's a 99.9% chance right now that will be the case this year for this Arkansas team. And here's the deal. Eric Musselman teams in the past have gotten really hot and they stay hot for a good little stretch of time. So you wonder maybe if Arkansas can somehow, miraculously it feels like, figure out some momentum toward the end of the year, maybe they could go to Nashville and do something. I'm not saying it is in Nashville this year, right? I'm not saying I'm not going to ever sit here and say with this team that I expect them to go out and win the SEC tournament this year, but maybe they. you've seen teams catch lightning in a bottle during that week before. But right now that seems to be you know, the only hope really for postseason for the Razorbacks. I say postseason, maybe the NIT they could get an invitation to, but even that right now seems like a major um, – even getting an invitation would kind of be a major uh, compliment to the team right now. Um, Blake, I want to ask you again, uh, you know – what are some of these things that we've seen with the Eric Musselman teams in the past that did figure things out and really had a strong showing, played their best ball by the end of the year? What are some of those things watching those Arkansas teams that maybe we took for granted uh, just with Eric Musselman teams that we just aren't seeing this year? <coughs> yeah, you know, I feel like I feel like last year when Arkansas would lose or they'd be having a, a tough stretch, you'd kind of see the emotion in the players and they looked – upset that they were that they were losing and not playing well you don't even see that with this team it's it's kind of like they're unbothered they're getting blown out all the time they have one conference win and it's like they it's just not really bothering them (coughs) um that's kind of upsetting but and you saw um you know anthony black last year he would he was he'd get You'd see tears in his eyes if, if it was a close game and Arkansas lost. You know, he'd be upset. He'd be he'd have a towel over his face. He'd have his, you know, his his face in his hands, and there'd be other players kind of patting him on the back. And uh, you just don't see that level of uh, emotion this year with Arkansas uh, with the way they're losing. Yeah, and I think it's tough to watch. Honestly, just as us covering the team, it can be kind of tough to watch. It just doesn't seem like that fight is necessarily there. I was telling you both before we started this show, it's kind of refreshing. I also cover the Arkansas women's team. It's actually really refreshing right now going and covering them because they're 14 and six this year. They definitely have their flaws, but I mean, whenever they lose, they are not happy. And it's like, 
I mean, they they got pummeled at a really good LSU team on Sunday, lost by 31 points. But I was just kind of I left the game. I was a little bit impressed with the way that even whenever the score was well out of hand, they were just really diving on the floor. They were battling. I mean, they got they really got, I don't know for lack of a better word, just pummeled in almost every category, but they showed a lot of fight. I think that's what's so tough to watch with this men's team this year is just sometimes you question maybe a little bit of just the, you know, the sense of pride, which is something that they will definitely need on Saturday if they want to avoid um, maybe just another embarrassment, but this time on a huge national scene with college game day coming to town. Bob, I want to backtrack real quick, though. South Carolina game. Obviously, in the moment, it felt like a downer loss. It is one, um, but the Gamecocks turned around and smacked Kentucky a few days later. Um, I think it's time people start taking South Carolina pretty seriously. I mean, to beat Kentucky by 17 doesn't happen often. Um, But in that game, Eric Musselman called timeouts within 29 seconds of each other, which um, you wrote about this. Anyone who's watched Arkansas the past few years know that that's very uncharacteristic of Eric Musselman to call timeouts that close to each other. But there's been many uncharacteristic teams uh, things about the team this year. Um, seems like he's just doing anything to try and press a right button. Uh, what are some of those things that you've seen this year? I know we talked about the rotation and how many players are playing, but just what are some of those things that just are different this year that you're we haven't seen from Eric Musselman in the past? Well, they played a little bit of zone. I mean, Eric's always been a strict man, man-to-man coach. And it's funny because his, his, his dad – uh, Bill Musselman was, you know, great college and ABA, MBA. He might have coached in the CBA. His dad coached a lot. You know, he, he really made his mark first at Ashland College, a small college in Ohio, that he did great there, and that helped him get the Minnesota job, the University of Minnesota, and then he later coached the NBA team there. But um, his dad was a big zone guy. I think he wrote a book about the zone. But Eric, you know, maybe he decided to go in a different direction. But I remember talking to him about it when he first got here, <clears throat> and his thought was, you know, if you really focus on something, you're going to be better at it. So obviously, you know, Jim Bayham at Syracuse, they were renowned for the zone. And and um, was it the Amoeba off defense, whatever, the Jerry Tarkanian had at UNLV and Fresno, kind of a matchup zone type thing, I think it was. Virginia but, does the pack line defense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, everybody's kind of got their niche. And so, um, but when they uh, were getting blown out of Florida early, they went to a zone. And I remember thinking, man, I don't remember them ever playing a zone. And they used the zone some and did some different things. And after the game, I asked Eric, I said, Eric, I can't remember the last time you played a zone. He goes, i never done it in college. He said later he'd put it in at Nevada, but he decided not to use it. And he said on the radio show earlier this year, maybe I mean, after they struggled in the Bahamas and they came back and they beat Duke and things were kind of turned around, he said he had three guys in his office, three players, didn't say who they were. And said, hey, do you guys want me to put it in his own this week in practice? And he goes into a man. They said no. And he took that as a positive. They wanted to keep playing man-to-man, and which is probably tougher to play. Um, but, you know, we're going to get this right. And then, of course, it, it hadn't happened. They played a little bit of zone, different things against South Carolina. But that's, that's one thing they've done is do the zone, yeah, the rotation, just playing everybody. That calling the timeouts, you know, he he. That was another thing we learned early in his uh, first year. You know, he never called timeouts, and they got off to a good start. If you remember that, year. I think they were eleven and zero or ten and zero or something. Went to Indiana and won, but he said that uh, you know, he wanted to save them for later, and he just didn't like to call timeouts. You know, there's all the TV timeouts, but yeah. So to see him, you know, do two timeouts. What happened was, uh, B.J. Mack hit his third straight three, so timeout. He gets over there, you got to play harder or whatever, blah, blah, blah. They go back out, and like, you know, 15 seconds later, 
Um, I think it was Zachary Davis drove around Trevor Brazil like he was, you know, like his shoes were glued to the floor and had a dunk. Timeout, you know. And um, so it was two defensive lapses. Well, two, those two in particular, a lot of them leading up to that. And he's just trying to implore him to play hard, which you think, man, should an SEC coach really have to tell his team, you know, beg his team, plead with him, whatever, to play hard? No, he shouldn't, but that's kind of where, where they're at right now. And so, yeah, he's, he's, he's I mean, desperate times call for desperate measures, and he's, he's started, uh, you know, Battle had been a pretty good bench player. Then he, you know, he obviously was doing something Eric didn't like. He didn't even play him against Stanham. Didn't play him. Never got off the bench. Well, he stood up, you know, and clapped a little bit, I think. But he never got on the floor, except for warmups. And then he starts. And, of course, you know, some of that was Tremont Mark being out. And Eric's obviously trying to generate some offense. But he goes from not playing a couple games ago to 27 minutes. And then, you know, Harris makes his first start. You know, Devo Davis, their most experienced guy in terms of with this program. He's been with Eric for four years. And, People remember the epic game he had against Kansas and some other big games, and he's Devo, and he doesn't play in the second half. And, you know, I didn't think he was hurt, but I don't want to assume. So I asked Eric, was that yours? said, yeah, yeah, he was healthy. So, I mean, guys are going from playing, you know, starting and playing a lot of minutes to playing a few minutes or not playing at all. And it's just, I mean, I get he's trying to push every button he can, but, you know, if you get on the elevator and push every button – you know, do you really get anywhere? You know, I, I, I get why he's doing it. And if he wasn't, people would say, well, why didn't he doing this? Why didn't he doing that? But it's just, I think he just is wit's end with this team. Yeah, I mean, if there's anything we've learned um, recently, ex- almost expect the unexpected with this team. Nothing is really too surprising whenever, you know, with, for instance, Denage Harris starting last night. I don't think any of us saw that one coming. It's just, you know, kind of what's next? What's the next button he tries to push? Well, just resort to maybe how things were at the beginning of the year and stick with it. Who knows? But um, fast, let's look ahead a little bit more to Saturday. Um, Kentucky, they won't lack any motivation coming to Arkansas this weekend, fresh off that 17-point loss to South Carolina. Um, and the lights will be bright. Uh, college game day is coming to town. It's a 5 p.m. Saturday showcase on ESPN. There will be attention on Bud Walton Arena, regardless of how the Razorbacks are doing right now. It's just how it's set up. Um, it will be a very good thing for the Razorbacks to have that type of light on them if they find a way to play well, have a big home crowd on hand to watch them play well, but it'll be a very bad thing if they play like they have in some of these losses um, and are unable to keep the crowd into it. You know, it's a big opportunity for Arkansas to showcase its basketball pageantry uh, in the national spotlight. I guess, Bob, what are you looking to see? Well, I guess I'm looking to see what kind of crowd shows up. I mean, it's Kentucky. The, the place is sold out. People are going to show up, I, I would hope. It's it's 5 o'clock, so it's not like it's super early in the morning at noon or it's not 8 o'clock at night. So personally, I don't really like 5 o'clock. I'd rather have it at 2 o'clock or something, but whatever. They don't care what I think. Um, so, yeah, I'll be curious to see, is it packed and it, are they fired up? And then did the Razorbacks give them a reason to stick around and stay in the game? You know, that, that game Saturday, I, I thought it was a really good good crowd Tuesday night considering it was like Arctic weather and roads weren't still clear. I thought, I, I don't, you know, they announced everything at a sellout, but realistically I thought they had about nine, ten thousand 10,000 on Tuesday night, which I thought was a great crowd. And they rewarded them with, with an exciting game, even though it got a little too exciting for Arkansas. <laughs> they lost yeah. the lead there for six seconds because they, you know, Tremont Market had a great shot to win it. And then, you know, the crowd for South Carolina, it was good, but it wasn't packed out but maybe that was the noon tip-off maybe people are just down the team 
And you could tell the fans, you know, hey, they show up, you know, they paid their money, parked, you know, whatever. They want to be entertained. They want to, you know, help the team win. And Arkansas just really never gave them a chance to cheer. I mean, you know, they cut a 15-point deficit or whatever, whatever it was to seven, and the crowd got into it, you know, marked a couple threes. But really you just felt like that – I felt sorry for the fans because, you know, I'm working there whatever, you know. And um, – they they they're spending their hard-earned dollars and not getting a very good product for it, and so. Um, but you know, if you're not going to draw a crowd for, I mean, Arkansas's got a history with Kentucky. Obviously, these are these are bad times for Arkansas. But I can remember other bad Arkansas teams, and they drew well for Kentucky. And you know, this these are going to be the diehard fans. And and if you know if they can't if they don't want to come, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people that love to go to a Kentucky game. Maybe can't afford to do it, and or can't get enough tickets. So. I think it'll be a good crowd. I don't know if it'll be like the Duke crowd um, or the Auburn crowd a couple of years ago, so we'll see. But, yeah, I'm curious to see how the fans react to this team because, you know, I think if they felt like, well, they, they like, like Eric's first team, we knew they lacked height. Eric didn't really have a chance to recruit much because he got the job in April. He, he had a Jimmy Witt and, and some other players. But I think that team really captured people's hearts because they played so hard and they knew they were shorthanded. And, you know, Mason Jones went out there and was driving downhill a million miles an hour. And Isaiah Joe, you know, when he was healthy, was knocking down threes. And that team was 20 and 12. Well, I think six of those losses were when Joe was hurt. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if Joe doesn't get hurt, that's definitely an NC tournament team. And they might have been with him at the end of the year. But I think, you know, fans can sense if teams are playing hard and they understand if they have shortcomings, you know, lack of height, lack of quickness, lack of shooting, whatever. But if you don't play hard, and let's face it, we've had players come into the interview room and say, yeah, we quit. We got punked. Uh, we're just not playing hard enough. I mean, they're admitting it, and I appreciate the honesty, but my God, you're a college basketball player. You play in the SEC. You're getting NIL money. You're on scholarship. I mean, is asking, is playing your hardest really asking you that much? It's like your parents telling you, well, yeah, you got a C-plus on the test, but, but you, if you'd have worked hard, you'd have gotten an A. Okay. You know, I mean – if you got the potential, then why don't you try to live up to it? Yep. Blake, anything you're looking forward to on Saturday, on Saturday, or at least maybe not looking forward to, just looking to maybe see? Yeah, I think I think this team needs a big name to kind of rise to that next level and show that effort that we've been missing. We saw it against Purdue. We saw it against Duke. I think when Auburn came to town, they had just kind of squeaked into the top 25. I don't think Arkansas realized how good Auburn is. Now they're like number eight. I don't think they realized how good South Carolina was or Ole Miss. But I, everybody knows how good Kentucky is. I think we're going to see a different team on Saturday. I think they're going to play. There's all this talk about their effort. I think we're going to. I think that's going to see an improvement. I mean, if the fans are saying it, you know, Musselman is hammering that. And, yeah, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that Arkansas is going to beat Kentucky, but I do think we're going to see a lot more effort on Saturday. One thing I know, I think that just kind of the way things have gone, it can't really go – I mean, I guess it technically could, but, like, from a morale standpoint, can it really go much further down? So I think you just hope to maybe see if the team can, like you said, just show a fight, like maybe just fight a little bit more. Um, You know, the results right now, I don't think – anybody really gets surprised by the blowouts now, which is just wild happening, you know, considering the recent success of the program. But I think maybe, like, even just playing hard and losing respectably on Saturday would 
maybe help the morale out some. Real quick, I have one more question before we get out of here, Bob. Um, Coach Cal, he's been in a similar spot as Musselman before with just a major downer year. Um, you think about 2012-13 season, a year removed from winning the national championship. I think they got eliminated from the NIT in the first round that 2012-13 year at Robert Morris. Um, but after that downer year, they had three consecutive seasons of at least an Elite Eight appearance, um, I believe. Uh no, no, the downer year came after three consecutive seasons of an Elite Eight appearance, but after that 2012-2013 season, they got back and they were the runners-up in 2014-15, and then they went to the 2015 Final Four. So um, you could just see sandwiched in between all the success at Kentucky, there was just a major outlier downer year. Bob, do you think that like you know what Arkansas is experiencing now after three really good years, or uh, at least good years in terms of postseason what happened um, – is this just part of basketball, college basketball at this point? Is You can't always get it right? Well, I think in this day and age where you're turning your roster over so much, I mean, it's not just Arkansas. You know, South Carolina came in and they had transfers from Wofford and Minnesota, and maybe not as many as Arkansas did, but, um, you know, transfers are part of every program now, the, the good ones, the bad ones, the mediocre ones. And so the key is to get the right guys, and Eric's done that. He did it in Nevada. He did it his first four years here. You think about some of the transfers, you know, Jimmy Witt, Justin Smith, um, you know, Trevor Brazil, <laughs> leading into this year. Um, you, you think about Audis Tony, you know, uh, Trey Wade was a really, they, they could use about eight Trey Wades on this team right now. <laughs> you know, tough guys that are going to knock you down and play hard defense and um, you think about Ricky Council, you know, last year, you know, from Wichita State. They, you know, he's had a lot of really good transfers. I'm, I know I'm leaving some guys out. And he obviously had the Martin twins and Jordan Caroline and Nevada and some other guys. So, you know, to me, Eric's got a track record. This year has been really bad. But, you know, think about North Carolina under Hubert Davis, his first year, they, they went to the title game. You know, they, they ended Coach K's career, coaching career. <laughs> and, uh, and they, 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 uh, Advance the, the championship game the next year. Last year they didn't go to the NCAA tournament, and now this year they're ranked I think third. So you know programs, uh, you know some programs you think are just bulletproof to that, but really nobody is. If it can happen to Carolina or it can happen to Kentucky, now it's happening to Arkansas. And if, I guess maybe what you're asking me is, do I think this is a one-year outlier, and will Arkansas be back to being uh, you know a good team nationally next year in the SEC? And I think they will. I I think not that Eric. Musselman is not motivated probably every second that he's awake. Maybe he's probably motivated when he's sleeping, too. I, I don't know. I don't think he probably his brain ever turns off, probably. But um, this is going to motivate him, and he's going to motivate his staff to say, look, we missed on some of these guys. I'm not saying they're bad people or even necessarily they're bad players. They're just not fitting together well. So I think they're really going to make a, uh, a big thing about making sure they get the guys that, that they're going to play the right kind of defense, that are going to – be coachable, that are going to accept their roles, that are going to buy in. And that can be hard when you're not recruiting a guy for three years or whatever in high school. But um, I think they're going to really be motivated next year to never let, let this happen again. I think that happened to Dave Van Horn and his staff. Not that Dave wasn't motivated, but that bad year, I think after so many good years, it's kind of a wake-up call that, hey, this can happen, and we want to make sure it never happens again because – you know, frankly, if you're a successful person and you have a year like that, it's embarrassing, you know, and it's just, and, and you know, the fans, they're not going to stand for it very long. 
Well, one thing's for certain, it's going to be an entertaining offseason after this year, keeping up with um, what happens. I just had one thing to add that I think was really – you mentioned that year where Kentucky went to the NIT and lost to Robert Morris. Uh, one thing that was really funny about that season, if you hate Kentucky, the only they had to play at Robert Morris because Rupp Arena was being used for the NCAA tournament and Louisville was playing in Rupp Arena in the first round. And Louisville went on to win the national championship that year. So I just think that's pretty funny. Well, I definitely can't get, I guess, more insulting to such a passionate fan base as Kentucky than that. But, I mean, they they recovered, and I guess that's what we're waiting to see if in this offseason ahead, um, if this is just a valuable lesson um, this year for the Razorbacks moving forward. But we'll see if Arkansas can play with some pride Saturday um, and have a good showing against Kentucky. And when we talk to you again next week, um, we'll be ready to – to fill you in on what happened. But as for now, I'm Ethan Westerman. Got Bob Holt and Blake Sutton alongside me. Thanks for listening to a rather downer edition of the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America.